0: All right, we are beginning a new series this morning, and the title of the series is called God is Good, and uh, we are going to, over the next um, several weeks, talk about different things uh, having to do with that. Let me read the, the scripture that we're going to look at this morning, and there's some others, but this is kind of the main one. It's Psalm 34, 8. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, or it'll be on the screen. Psalm 34, 8. Read that. Just read, read that out loud with me. Oh, taste and see... That the Lord, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. One more time, read that out loud. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So uh, that's what we're looking at this next several weeks, about the idea that God is good. Now, there's a phrase that's been pretty popular. It's been out for a while and you probably know it, and without me saying anything else, I'm going to start the phrase, and I'm going to expect that you're going to be able to interact with me because you've heard this before, and the phrase goes like this. God is good all the time. See, you've heard that before, haven't you, right? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. You may even, you may even be familiar with thinking about God as being good by the simple little prayer that we were taught when we sat down to pray to bless the meal, right? Right? God is great. God is. Let us by His hands we shall be fed. Daily bread. Not a amen. Not, <laughs> that's right. Not a bad pray. Not a bad prayer. Right. Acknowledging God's goodness, His provision for us, and to provide for us the daily, the daily bread that He provides for us. Those are things probably uh, that you would uh, obviously think of in your mind when you think about this idea. Of God being good, so that's kind of the title of the series, and us looking at what it means for God to be good. And this morning, we're going to look at this psalm that we just read and talk about what the psalmist says there about taste and see that God is good. I'm going to explain a little bit more of that in just a moment. But in the weeks to come, we'll be looking at God being good through uh, His His grace and His um, forgiveness and His provision. Those are kind of things that we're going to be talking about in the next several weeks. With this whole uh, idea about God being good. Now, here, here's the thing that um, that I want you to know. I like I like definitions of things. To me, if you can kind of define things, and it helps you to be clear about what you're talking about, and that helps put parameters on things, so you can make sense of everything. So you might want to jot this down. It's going to be on the screen. The word "good," as it's used here in Psalms thirty-four eight, it means excellent or agreeable all right so sometimes in our mind we, when we say the word good it almost has a connotation of just kind of a so-so right hey how how was you know how was school today oh good how was your job today oh, it was good it's kind of when and when we use it a lot of times it's kind of like oh, it's all right you know it could have been better nothing un- remarkable just it was just good but in the Bible, in the word that's used here, the idea is that it's excellent or agreeable. So kind of keep that in your mind uh, as we're talking about God being good. And the other thing to attach to that is this, is that God, uh, good not only describes who God is, it describes how God acts, right? So good is not only kind of, it's not only a quality of who God is, like we talk about God being love and those kinds of things, part of who God is is that God is is good the scriptures tell us that we're going to look at a scripture in just a moment in Psalms but the idea of that God is good that's who he is he is a good God and not only it's not only a characteristic of who he is he's not a God is not only agreeable and excellent but he acts in agreeable and excellent ways the things that he does are agreeable and excellent so again keep that in your mind we're not just talking about saying oh yes God's good But that just means God's good. It doesn't mean just God's good. It means he is good. And when he acts and when he works and when he does things, he does things that are good. He does things in an excellent and an agreeable way. So it not only describes who he is but what he does. Now Psalm 119.68 basically tells us this. Psalm uh, 119.68 says, you are good and, what's the next word? What is it? And do good, teach me your statutes. The psalmist says, you are are good, that's kind of who you are. And you also do good, you act good, you do things that are good. And again, meaning excellent or agreeable. So the scripture uh, agrees uh, with that as the psalmist explains about who God is. So everything, think of it in this way. Everything that God is and all that he does is designed to be excellent and agreeable. Just kind of let that settle in for just a moment. Everything that that God is, not the only thing he is, but everything that encompasses who God is as far as him being good. God being a good God and what God does is designed to be agreeable and excellent. And I think we can even transfer that and say all the things that God has in store for us. The things that God has for us. Not only is he a good God toward us in his character and in his being. But God does things that are good for us. In his mindset In the things that he has prepared for us. And the things that he does for us. Those things are agreeable and excellent. That's his mindset. That's what he wants for us. The things that are good. The things that are agreeable and excellent. So um, now... You may be saying, wait a minute, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that I, I'm buying into all the God is just, that's who he is, he's good. Because you may be thinking about some things that you've experienced that haven't been that good. In fact, people will say, if God is such a good God, why is there so much tragedy in the world? If God is such a good God, then why did he let this happen to my loved one if God is such a good God why does my wife has cancer if God is such a good God why did my child die at a young age if God is such a good God you can fill in the blank and we can all probably go there and have examples of things that we can think of that we've experienced that in our minds certainly are not what we would consider to be good especially um, excellent or agreeable so people have challenged, and you may even be challenging that idea. I'm really not sure. You know, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in my life. I'm not sure that, that I would agree that God is good. And that's okay. I want you to know that's okay if that's kind of where you are. In fact, it's, it's really, it's really uh, maybe not that uncommon for it to be challenged. In fact, God's goodness was challenged from the very beginning in the Bible. Look in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, you may be familiar with the story. Verses 1 through 5, as the, as the serpent comes to uh, the woman after they had been given some instruction from God about what to eat and what not to eat, and here's kind of the, the, the few verses that go along with that. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Verse 4, here's where the questioning and the doubting God's goodness comes in. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die for god knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like god knowing good and evil so from the very beginning that that idea of doubt that seed of doubt has been planted into our minds and with the, what the serpent did here with eve was the idea of it didn't really change god's word so much as to create a little bit of doubt is if this is what god wants for you are you sure this this surely can't be good for you God basically, God's just afraid that you're going to be like him. Not realizing that God put those, he said that to them. He, he didn't want them to eat of the fruit from the tree because he knew that it was good for them not to. It was good for them, but the, the serpent tried to put this doubt. So the doubt has been questioned from early on, and it's okay. And today, again, people still challenge that. You may be doing some of that now in your own life. Maybe you've done that in the past, Uh, and, you know, the funny thing to me, because I have a warped sense of uh, humor sometimes in the way that I look at things, is that, not to make light of it, because I do understand people will say, well, if God is so good, why do all these bad things happen? And I understand where, where we can come from, but why don't we say, why don't we flip that around? I've never heard anybody say, well, you know, if humans are so evil, why is there so much goodness that still surrounds us? You know, we don't ever... Nobody ever flips that around. I haven't heard people say that. So, so why say if God is so good, why is there so much evil? Why not look at your own life and know how evil you can be and decisions that you can make and the the choices that people make that harm other people's lives? Why wouldn't we be able just as well to say as bad as we are, it's amazing that God still surrounds us with all this goodness. Just look around us. So again, I'm not discounting if you're doubting I want you to I want you to hang on to that because I've got a challenge for you if that's where you are but just to understand that um, that that is real and I'm not kind of covering the topic if God's so good why is there so much evil today but I know that's a challenge but today uh, you know whether you would agree with yeah hey I agree with you I'm on board God is a good God God is good all the time all the time God is good you know I agree with that I'm on board 100% or whether you would say, you know what, I just, I just don't know that I'm buying into all that right now. Uh, wherever you fall, I want to challenge us today to do what that psalm said that we read. And the psalm said, taste and see that God indeed is good. That God is good for us to be able to taste and see. So that's kind of where I'm going with this and where I want you to, to follow along. Here, here's what the word taste means. Again, another definition based on how it's used in Scripture It means to try to evaluate with the view to consume if the flavor is suitable. To evaluate with the view to actually consume it if the flavor is suitable. Now, that's important for a couple of reasons. Because the view to uh, consume something, if we are tasting something with the idea, man, I am going to devour this, versus tasting something that we might think we already don't like and we want to get just enough in it to confirm our suspicion and doubt about what we think about that. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes we can have a preset uh, a mind about I hate this, I hate this, I hate this and because you already think that you hate it, if, if especially food, if you were to taste it, you're already making the nasty face, you know, before it even gets here. Because you're, you're convinced it's nasty. And so you're, to prove to everybody else you've done this, probably friends around the table, people, oh, just try it. You don't like that. I can't, but I've never met anybody that, oh, you've never had mine. You just need to try this, right? And, and, and if they are a good guest, they will appease you, and they will try to do it. But they will take the smallest amount of whatever it is that they can possibly get on a fork, or whatever, and they will already be making that nasty face before it even touches their tongue because they have already determined they don't like it. You know what I'm talking about? We do that. That is a different thing than tasting with the view of consumption. That's a different mentality of consumption. Now, we tease my father-in-law all the time because he does the opposite. He doesn't make the nasty face of stuff. The joke is uh, when we're around him and our boys always make fun of him is that, his wife, Brenda, she'll cook something. She's a great cook, my mother-in-law, and always cooks good things. And Bill, all the time, she will have something, and he will be on his way to approaching his mouth, and he will be telling her, Mm, oh, man, Brenda, this is good. And he hasn't even gotten it in his mouth yet, right? The man has learned over the years how to do that. But So we always joke. His idea is, Oh, man, this is awesome. And he hasn't even tasted it yet, but he's had enough experience with her cooking, even if he didn't even know what it was, he knows, he knows it's going to be good, right? That's different. That's a view of consumption versus, uh, what, that's what this, this idea means, taste and see that God is good. Versus viewing with an attitude of, I'm going, to already, I'm going to confirm what I already think about this. Take a look at some of these kids. This is what we do sometimes. I don't want to eat this part. I'm gonna eat these. I don't want to eat down. <laughs> Do you mean someone put it in my mouth? Okay. <laughs> I don't want this one. Look. I'm done. I don't think so. Please help me. It's not real bad. No, it's not. It's actually pretty good. I don't want to eat this <laughs> green portal. Been there, done that? Yeah. My my favorite. <laughs> Please help me. <laughs> and then, it's not that bad, right? Now, you've made that face with food. You know, of course, that's the typical, here's the kid trying to get the kid to eat broccoli. Not all kids hate broccoli, right? We went out to a birthday dinner with my mother the other night, and my little nephew ordered, uh, at the Olive Garden, he ordered spaghetti with a side of broccoli. <laughs> He's like 10. He loves loves vegetables i thought man that's that's a crazy mix so everybody doesn't hate broccoli but that that's kind of the idea all right that's the difference of that's the idea of I, i'm going to taste this because you're going to make me but i'm already convinced that it's nasty there's no doubt it's going to be nasty that's the difference between tasting to confirm our suspicions versus tasting to um uh see that god is good tasting with a view of consumption. So you may want to write this down. Because this is, this is what I think we should do according to what the Psalms says. Approach God with a view of consumption. And it might sound a little strange to you, but I'll explain it. But that we should approach God with a view of consumption, with a view of I'm all in, with a view of it's, I, I'm, I'm completely on board, God. With what you have we should approach God approach God with that view and so what I would what I would challenge you is especially for just a moment if you are a if you are a believer if you would say I believe in Jesus I know that um, I've accepted Jesus' sacrifice I, I know what he's done I've, I've trusted that uh, him with my own life for that i totally depend on him you know that you're a believer a follower of Christ I would challenge you to think about this in this way that maybe you've made that initial uh, commitment, but maybe if you were to be honest, you would say, you know what, I don't know that I'm like totally all in. I don't know that I'm like approach God from the view of consumption, like everything, not just parts. And here's what I mean. Maybe, maybe this is you, maybe you've been this way, you've thought this way. Maybe you know you're a believer and you would say and you think, you know what, the Bible is important. The Bible is God's word. But if you were to be honest, you would admit that you rarely read it. That's not approaching God from a view of consumption. That's like, can I just eat the green part? (laughs) Right, like the kids say. That's just picking a few things. Maybe you would say the same thing about prayer. Prayer's important. Yeah, I believe in prayer. Prayers, yeah, prayers. it's good, it's good. But if you were to be honest, you would have to admit that you rarely pray. Maybe it's just on special occasions or when times are tough and you need God to come and rescue from, from, rescue you from things. Which is okay, by the way. But maybe that's the only time that you do. Maybe you would, you would say, hey, I know I'm a believer and I think everybody should be serving God somehow. People should be doing something beyond themselves. They should be volunteering either in the community or, or through the church or both. They should be doing something that is serving God and you would you would say that's important but if you were to be honest you could look at your life and you could say you know what I, I'm really not serving anywhere on any kind of regular basis I mean I help with Halloween hoopla once a year and I help with our event that we do downtown for the kids once a year but to be honest those are probably two of my main times that I serve and other than that I, I really just don't do a whole lot That that's not the idea of consumption that's the idea of maybe just barely getting involved in what God may have for you. So maybe it's that. Maybe, maybe you, you would say, yeah, I believe the Bible teaches about giving. But you look at your giving records and you realize every once in a while you just kind of put something in the bucket when it comes by. And if, it, if you were to really evaluate, did I give a minimum of what the Bible calls a tithe? Did I really give 10% of my income? And you can look at your tax statements versus your giving records when either you go online and get them yourself from our website or we send that to you or however that works. You can compare the two and it'd be real easy for you to see, this is what I made, this is what I gave. Did I really give 10% or was I just kind of giving some money as I thought I wanted to give? Those are the kinds of things. And again, that's not shame on you. We're all bad people if we do those things. But I think as believers, sometimes we can have that idea of we know that we're believers, we know that we trusted Jesus, but are we all in? Are we approaching God with the idea of consuming Him and letting Him consume us? Or are we just looking at God and saying, you know what, I like that about what it means to be a believer. I think I'll really do that. And this is okay with me too. But here are these other areas over here. Uh Uh-uh. You know, the joke is about people... Especially when it comes to money, people get baptized. They say, you know, you get baptized and you go down and you hold your wallet up so it don't, so it don't go under the water. You know, you got me all but my wallet, right? So those are some things. Or, or I'm not going to serve. We'll let everybody else serve. church got plenty of people serving. They don't need me to serve. It's really not about what we need. It's about what's good for you and your faith and your relationship with with Jesus. That's, that's kind of why we do those things. Those are things that the Bible teaches. So... Uh, Maybe that's where you are as a believer. Uh, Maybe you're really going through some tough times. I mean, maybe your life has been just up and down and mostly down. And there's been trouble after trouble after trauma after you just, when is it going to stop? And maybe God has been with you. You recognize God has been with you through that, but you really haven't just given him the credit for helping you and in your mind you thought well i've done it myself i'm you know i'm disciplined and you know i've got my i've got this business that's really succeeding and it's succeeding because i'm smart and i know how to put things together and that may be true but where did your brains come from Maybe you're you're not giving God the credit that he deserves. Maybe there are good things happening in your life and you're not making the connection that God is good and wants good things for you and he is providing those things for you that are excellent and agreeable and you need to praise him and thank him for the things that he's brought your way. That might be where you are. See, those kinds of things are more of a letting us be our own refuge versus what the scripture said about letting God be our refuge. That we're depending on ourselves. We know we're believers. That's settled. It's like that's not up for grabs. But am I really all in? Am I really letting God have every area of my life? Are there areas that I struggle with, that I know I struggle with, but there's no way God's going to get in on that area? I'm not letting God have a part of that, but I'll do the other things. Now, I don't know where you would be or how that would fit to you. But here's um, the things that that we... uh, Think about in that way, think about this. Again, you can write this down. God is good, and he wants good for you. Uh, That's just kind of a fundamental belief. God is a good God, but it's not only who he is, it's how he acts and what he does. And so when God acts and when he does things, he does things that are excellent and agreeable. And when he acts and does things for me, those things are designed for me to be excellent and agreeable. He doesn't just do things halfway he doesn't just give me things that would be uh, so-so God is, is the way his uh, character is and what he does he provides things for me that are good and excellent that are agreeable to me I don't always see that right I can look at things and I can say oh, I don't know if I agree with that or not but God knows the bigger picture he knows he, he's, he's created me so what he has in store for me ultimately is Excellent and agreeable for me, even though I may not recognize that. So I don't know where you may be as a believer. Maybe there's some things that's holding you back, and I can say to you, you know, what's keeping you from giving everything to God? What is it that's hindering you? What's what is it if there's anything that's keeping you from just saying, you know what? I am. I'm just all in. I'm not just I'm not just playing the church thing, and I'm showing up once a week, and every once in a while I'm going to an event. But but I'm all in. This is not about. gathering this is about a relationship with me and God and if whether we ever had another opportunity to gather in what we call church or not you still have a relationship with God and that relationship can be growing and thriving and developing not just because we have a place where we call church but because you have a relationship with God and that can happen anywhere that we are right so I don't know where you might be as a believer, but maybe, maybe those are some things that God would challenge you to think about. And then uh, maybe this morning you, you say, you know, if, if, if I were to be honest, I would say I really don't believe in God. I mean, and you may say, and I've heard people say this, you know, it's not, that like, I, it's not like I'm against God. It's not like I, I shake my fist at God and that I hate God. But I just don't know if I buy into all that stuff that I hear all the time. And especially the idea of God being good. Maybe you're thinking, like I said earlier, you've got some examples. Well, if God is so good, then why did this, 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 and this happen? And so I want to challenge you to to think about what's going on in your life. And maybe you don't think all this stuff is real. Maybe you don't think uh, God is real. And I would challenge you to think about this. If you are of that mindset, could you be honest with yourself and would you say, truth be told, because I have that view of God, what I do is I walk around daily and I look for things to confirm my suspicion about God. You're like the kid with the broccoli and you've already determined that God is not good, that you don't believe in God, and so your mindset is, just to barely the least little bit of thing that you could possibly be involved in that would expose you to God. You're picking and choosing the things that you know would turn you off or support your idea that God's just really not a good God. You're hanging around people who are down on God. If you come to church, you've got this skeptical attitude because you've just read some kind of book that disputes everything the Bible prop says. And, and instead of going all in as a view of consumption with god you're picking and choosing the thing to support your argument to make you feel better about you not believing in god and i would say part of that is good because you're halfway there if that's where you're at i mean you're on the right track but here's what i would challenge you with what if you did some things differently you know maybe Um, maybe a person who doesn't believe, maybe you would say, you know what? I just don't believe God can change my life. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I think. You don't know how I behave. You don't know the people that I've hurt. You don't know the things that I did that are not only illegal, but they're immoral and they're wrong. You just don't understand. I just don't think God can change my life. And you support that opinion by continuing to live that way. And you're convinced God's not going to change my life. God can't do that. So I'm just going to keep doing all these things. And the more that I do these things, the more I believe that God can't change my life. And the more I believe God can't change my life, the more I continue to live this way. And I'm in happy agreement with myself about what God can't do with me. What if you did things differently? What if you lived a different way? Maybe you say, um, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure about all of this salvation Stuff. I mean, how can God really save me? I'm not sure. Talk about it in church all the time. How does that really happen? How does all that work? I'm just not sure. And you know what? Even if he could, surely he doesn't want to do that for me. Again, because look at how bad I am. And it's a contradiction of terms or of, of opinions. It seems like People who would say, if God is so good, why is there so much evil in the world are probably the same ones that would say, well, if I'm so evil, how could God love me so much? Well, you should be able to connect the dots and realize that you're part of the problem of the evil in the world. Guess what? Even as believers, we still have a sinful nature. We still have the ability to choose wrong against God, which does make a difference in the lives of people. And maybe that's where you are as an unbeliever. And again, just uh, would challenge you to say... Um maybe maybe you could live differently. So here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like to challenge you just to go all in. I'd just like to challenge you to go all in. Maybe you say, listen, I, I only think it's real. All right? Okay, that's good. What if you live like it was real? I don't know. Put a time frame on it. God's big; he can handle stuff. He can do whatever he wants to. But what if you said, "You know what? I'm just, I'm skeptical about all that stuff. I'm skeptical about church people because they're all hypocrites. And I've been around people. I blah. You got the whole excuses. You got the whole. You got all that stuff that people do. Well, I would challenge you? Why would you want to focus on the negative? Why wouldn't you want to focus on the positive? And if you want to disprove that God is not good and that that he can't save you and all that kind of stuff, if you are or can save you, if you wanted to disprove that, I want to challenge you. Go all in. Just give your life to him. Say, God, I don't even know if I believe all this, but I'm trusting my life completely to you. And if you're powerful enough to change things, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to approach you with a view of consumption. I'm going to taste and see that God is good. I'm not just going to take a little bit and, and barely confirm my suspicions. I'm just all in. And I'm going to go with it until you prove me different you're doing the same thing on the other side of the equation you're assuming if you're in this camp you're assuming that God's not all these things and you're living as if he isn't and you're warning or waiting for something to happen to prove that he is what if you switched the tides and you lived as if he was and waited for something to prove that he wasn't give it a try who knows what will happen I think I know what will happen but it's the idea of tasting and seeing that, that God is good. And here's the reality of this. And this goes for people who aren't believers. It goes for believers in certain areas. You really can't make a valid judgment on God's goodness if you just barely pick and choose things on your own desire to prove or disprove your, your feelings already. You can't have a valid judgment, I don't think, unless you really get a good sampling of who God really is. Does that make sense? Maybe it makes sense to you in this way with food because that speaks to all of us, right? If I want to try a food and there's something on the plate and I say, you know, I've never had that. I don't know if I'm going to like that or not. If I take my fork or whatever and I... the smallest minuscule amount of whatever that food is that I'm wanting to sample and I barely put it up to my mouth am I going to have a full representation of what that would taste like if I would get an adequate amount of that and put it into my mouth I'm not am I right you've done it you've been to dinner with friends who's ever been to dinner with friends You've ordered. You had the discussion before you order. What are you going to order? I don't know. What are you going to order? That discussion happens after you've had the discussion. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Wherever you want to eat. Right? And then you get there and you say, what are you going to order? And I don't know. I always order the same thing. I'd like to try something different. That's the conversation that happens around our table. I order the same thing every time. I'd like to try something different. But man, this thing's so good, I don't want a chance giving it up to something that's going to be nasty. Right? So, but you've done that, and you've ordered, and you've looked at everybody's plate when people have ordered, and you're looking at what you ordered compared to what they ordered, and they got a big smile on their face, and you're looking yours is good, but man, I mean, they're enjoying theirs. I mean, it's a mm, every time you know they're even making a, when they cut into it, oh, right. Every bite is a savory mm, and uh, napkin, and you're over there looking at your Parmesan chicken. And it's like, yeah, this is Parmesan chicken, all right. No, just, all right, but here's what happens. Inevitably, here's what happens. And somebody will say, hey, do you want to try it? Oh, this, it's really good. Do you want to try it? Well, that's what happens around my table. Y'all may not want to eat off other people's plate. We don't care. We even ask people, hey, can I have a bite of that, right? <laughs> we just figure they'll tell us no if they don't want to eating off our plate, right? That looks good. Can I have a bite of that, right? So, so people say, oh, man, this is really good. You should try it. All right? And if they turn their plate to you or, or they, they hand it over to you, inevitably what happens? You may get a little bit of something and they will say, No, 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 you need to get a piece of this and a piece of this. Get it all together. It all comes with the meal. It's all part of the recipe. It's all part of what makes this dish what it is. You can't just get a little piece off the corner because all you might taste is garlic. Or you can't just get a little piece of cheese off the top because all you'll taste is cheese. You've got to have the mushroom in there with it. and You've got to have the pepper, and you've got to have the meat, and you've got to have the sauce. It all It's a package. You've got to have it all together. And they will encourage you, if you want to really understand why I'm making all these oohs and ahs and why this meal is so good, you can't just scrape off the edge. Let me fix your fork up. Here's the way you mix this meal up to make it taste good, right? And then they hand it to you, and you go... No, you don't. They hand it to you. They went through the trouble to prepare it for you. You put the fork in your mouth, and you eat the whole piece, don't you? Then you can evaluate if you're going to like it or not. Until then, you can't rely only on smell, which is a big one for me. If You're going to ask me to try something. You're going to have to give up. You're going to have to just deal with the fact that I'm going to smell it first, Right? I mean, it's just part of the Kaufman trait. When I open it, I don't care if the milk, if I, had a, if I had a glass of milk 20 minutes ago and I go back in the refrigerator and I have another glass, I'm opening the lid, I'm sticking my nose in, the, in it to make sure it's still good before I pour it, right? It's just the way it is. But you can't properly evaluate things without having an adequate sample of things like food. I think... For lack of better words, it's not the best illustration, but it's just, it's kind of what we live with imperfect illustrations, right? Imperfect lives. God is similar. If you're questioning God, if you're doubting God, if you don't believe God is real, maybe even as a believer there are certain things like, I know God says He'll do this, but I'm not sure He wants to do that for me. And you're just dabbling, you're just barely inching in, and you're, you're, you're tasting not for a view of consumption, but maybe out of fear or to confirm something that you already know God won't do for you. You can't do it properly unless you just go in and have an adequate example of what it is you're dealing with. And I think it's the same thing with God, especially as it applies to you if you're not a believer. You can't just pick and choose and dabble and question. You're not going to get an adequate representation of who God is until you just go in and then let God deal with you. So I want to challenge you to do that. And here's the challenge I'd say to you, especially as a person who doesn't believe. Two, two scenarios. You may have heard these before, and I've used these before and thought of them a lot in my own life. Two scenarios. Let's say that you don't believe there's a God. Heaven's not real, and all this church stuff is just a bunch of baloney. Let's say that that's what you think. And let's say I believe that it is real, and it's all God is good, and, and what we say is true, and what the Bible says is true, right? Well, let's say that you, you've got those two options. If you went all in and you believed as if God was real and you lived as if God was real and God gave you blessings in this earth and helped you make a difference in other people's lives and you felt better about yourself and you understood more about God's creation and you lived that way all of your life as if God was good and as if God was real and Jesus was real and all this whole thing that people talk about really is real. If I live that way, if you live that way, And you get to the end of life. And you find out it was all just a hoax. You've lived a good life. You felt good about yourself. You've treated others good. You've been an influence in this world. you basically had a good life. You've recognized things that you thought were blessings. Although maybe you got to the end and you found out it was all a hoax. What have you lost? On the other hand, let's say... You think God's not real and all that stuff is a joke and blah, blah, blah. And you live as if it's not true. And you just do your own thing. You don't believe in Jesus because you think that's ridiculous. It's just, uh, Jesus is just a crutch for people who are weak, who are not strong enough to pull themselves up from their own bootstraps and all that stuff. And, and and God doesn't provide blessings and you provide stuff for yourself and you're a hard worker and you're your own self-made person and you're your, all this stuff. And you don't acknowledge Christ. You don't acknowledge God and you live all of your life, and maybe it ends up being, you know, even, you know, it's not that you've been mean to people, you've even been nice to people. You, maybe you've even been able to make a little bit of difference in the world. Maybe, maybe you have uh, finances that in such a way that you're able to do things that have made a difference in the world. But you lived as if God did not exist, and you get to the end of, the world, end of your life, and you realized you were wrong, that it was real. You've got everything to lose. Yeah, you might have enjoyed some stuff here on this earth. You might have made some wealth. You might have done some things. You might have grew a business. You might have done this or you might have done that. But when it all comes down to it, and God is real, you've lost eternity. Really, amongst other things that I would argue that you can't have apart from knowing him on this earth. You've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. So I'm going to challenge you. If you're doubting. You're skeptical you don't think all this is real i want to challenge you quit dibbling and dabbling and reading some far out some idiot who has some kind of degree from somewhere and you're you have more faith to believe something that is ridiculous than you would to be, be believe something that god would say is true i would challenge you just live as if he's true go all in see what god does in your life that's the only way you're going to be able to evaluate it if you're a believer the challenge for us would be just, just what is it that's holding us up what is it that's keeping us from experiencing that fullness of God so, so here, here are two things I'm closing to, to think about what would your life look like if you knew that you were totally approaching God from a view of consumption the psalm says taste and see that God is good he's excellent and agreeable not only in who he is but what he does and what he wants for us what if we lived as if that's true and you might say hey i'm living it you don't have to ask me what if i know what it is and that's awesome i would say you keep going but maybe there are other believer here who would say you know what there are there i'm just kind of so-so i'm just kind of really not all in i'm really not i'm really not just going at it what would that look like in your life if you did and how would that be different what are things that need to change If you're not a believer, same thing that I just challenged you with a while ago, I would challenge you in that. And then the other thing would be this. This week, if you don't think God's good, or if you want to be reminded of how good He is, look this week at the things that He provides for us that are excellent and agreeable. You don't have to look far. Stuff that we take for granted every day that we're in an enclosed building that I'm going home to an enclosed building out of the weather with electric and stuff to keep me warm I got food in the refrigerator unless something happens I'm going to have a nice lunch on the grill I'm not actually going to be on the grill having lunch I'm going to fix lunch right we're going to have lunch be around family be around friends I mean, your blessings and God's goodness far outnumbers the stuff that you could find that would kind of be negative. So I would challenge you, just just make a list. And maybe that's your way of thanking God this week. Of, and when you see it, you're reminded that God is good. Not the way we usually think of it, but that he's excellent and he's agreeable. Not only in who he is, but what he does. I'm going to ask the band to come up and would you, would you pray with me. God, today... Uh, just, just help us to, to look at you from a view of consumption, like the psalmist says. That we taste and see that you are good and that you become our refuge. Lord, it's encouraging to me to know that, that good not only describes who you are, but it describes what you do and how you act and what you want for me. That you have my, you have my best intentions in mind that you have what's best for me as a priority in your agenda that's not selfishness that's what I know you want for me and I can try and find those things in so many other places and in so many other ways but Lord to find refuge in you and to trust and taste and see that you're good from a view that I want to just jump in and believe it I want to have the faith to just trust what you say is true and so I pray that you help us all to do that today that you speak to us challenge us where we need to be challenged help us to make decisions help us to rejoice help us to give thanks help us to just acknowledge that you are good and you do so many things that are good for us So as we uh, even continue a series this week and look at different scriptures and different messages, just remind us of your goodness. Lord, we cannot overlook the great example that you have shown us in your goodness by sending your son Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our sins and die on the cross for us. There is no greater example of your excellence to us. There is no greater example of what would be agreeable for us and to us than by the example that you have shown us by giving your Son to us as a sacrifice for our sin. So help us to acknowledge that. Help us to give you praise where we need to do that and acknowledge your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.